360 Talk Radio for Women. This is Dawn Abbott, and I'm coming to you with another episode from the book tour. My show is called Your Life is Not a To-Do List, which shares its title with my newly released book on Amazon called Your Life is Not a To-Do List, Tools for a More Joyful Entrepreneurial Journey. As you know from previous episodes, ooh, first, let me say the best place to listen to my show as well as lots of others is by downloading the 360 Talk, Rate, uh, Talk Radio for Women app. Uh, and there's lots of great content there. So anyway, let's dive into Your Life is Not a To-Do List. This is episode number four. Um, and the first three episodes, I share a lot about my story and my 32 years as an entrepreneur and the place in my life in which I had 18 and 21 year old sons and three companies and found out that my husband of 25 years and I were expecting a newborn a baby. And that was not the plan at that point in our lives. And three months after that baby girl was born, we lost my husband in an accident while on vacation. And so what I thought life was supposed to look like was empty nesting, maybe slowing down in business, reconnecting with my husband as, as a life partner and not just business partner and co-parent. Um, and instead I was 44 and a widow with a newborn and two young men who were 18 and 21, my sons who were going back off to college and I had three businesses to run and it was not what I planned. And what came after was a deep dive into self-discovery and learning a whole lot of lessons about myself and my life and what I had learned from previous life experiences. And I have put this all into a book and I'm now sharing it with you. So that catches you up, but please go back and listen to those other episodes. They're helpful as well. So this one is about managing your expectations and paying attention to expectations that you didn't even know you had. So here's sort of an example from my life. I remember at one point we had started the business. We were, um, you know, had gotten to a place where, wow, this, you know, we're, we're making more money than we were making at the jobs we left. We're actually have some room and feel some confidence in that this revenue is going to be, you know, sustainable. Like we could actually, you know, maybe start doing a little something with life instead of just working. And so we decided we were going to an event convention in Las Vegas. And I had never been to Las Vegas and I was young in my early twenties. And so I had these huge expectations for this trip, right? It was going to be amazing. And it's going to be the best time in our lives. And, and you can see how you've, you've done that. If you're anything like me, I've, I've done it a lot of times, both for, for things like vacations or or a meeting, or, you know, what we're going to do this weekend, a date, any of those things, right? We get in our head this image of how amazing it's going to be. And there's a couple problems with that. 
Um, we set us ourselves up for disappointment because the expectations are so high that things that normal life things can probably never measure up. And that was the case in Las Vegas. So I went and tanned and I got my nails done and, and got new clothes and a new dress. And we were going to go to this fancy evening event at, at the conference. Well, so I show up in this fancy dress and heels and there's not enough tables and we're eating convention center food on the floor. And then, you know, we're walking down Vegas streets, which it seems like your hotel is only a block away and it's miles in heels and, and the whole trip just never lived up and it was so disappointing. And so when we talk about managing expectations, there's different facets of this. So it's, it's something that I've learned to do is because some of the best vacations I've ever taken are those that I didn't have a lot of expectations for, like those vacations where, oh, you've been here before. This is sort of a work trip. It's going to be four days. It's quick. And, um, you know, an example is, is my company, Fun Productions. We took the entire um, staff on a retreat in Puerto Vallarta for four days. And, um, and I didn't have a lot of expectations. It was like, okay, I need to be a leader and sort of a manager on this trip. It's four days. This isn't my vacation. This is theirs. And I had the greatest time because I've been to Puerto Vallarta before. I didn't set myself up for making sure I saw and did everything. I just went and had a great time and um, sat by the pool and beach and did some stuff I have never done before and um, and really had a great time. And so these two experiences sort of created this idea that, wow, if all of the moments of my life that I'm looking forward to, I just sort of manage my expectations a little bit and say, you know what, it's just a trip. There'll be others. Or this is just a fun weekend getaway. There'll be lots of those. What I need to do is be present in what is happening and enjoy it, whether it turns out as planned or not. And I've found out that I have so much more joy because I'm not expecting it to be anything that it might not be. So that's sort of one ex uh, expectations of, uh, what, excuse me, one example of managing expectations. So then there's this other side of expectations in which we have so many expectations of ourselves that all of a sudden we start having expectations that we didn't even know we had or that we could, that, that create so much stress and worry in our lives and steal us of joy because we've put ourselves on this pedestal of thinking that we have to do so much or that we have to do everything perfectly or that we're expected to behave certain ways. Um, and so here's an exercise when you're when you're looking at those things. 
is to kind of create a list of all the expectations you have for yourself. Just sort of start thinking, and you can do this list over time. You can sit and brainstorm a bunch of things, but then just sort of set it aside and start paying attention to when you're saying things like, oh, I have to make sure that I get all of the laundry done tonight um, before the weekend, or I have to make sure that I go to the store. I have to make sure that I have X number of meetings with each of my staff people um, before this month is up. Start paying attention to what you're expecting of yourselves. And so when I did this list, it was like several notebook pages full, over a hundred expectations. It's no wonder I was stressed, right? I wrote things down like having a clean house and a full fridge, always cooking healthy, well-balanced meals every day, never letting my stress bother anyone else, making sure that everyone on my team always loved their job, um, never giving up, striving for more, being exceptional, all of these things that I realized that I had expectations that I put on myself or expectations that I assumed that other people had for me. And how unrealistic was all of that? Um, so then after you create this list, the next step is to examine each of the expectations. And then kind of start looking through, can this one logically be expected of me? And step three is some great work on understanding yourself. And we go back to some of these limiting beliefs and, and how these stories are playing out on our lives. Start looking at how that was created. Did I just make that up? Did I assume it was created by someone else? Did I create this because... I think that that's what society expects of me. Is this on my list because of the way I grew up and I'm trying to overcompensate? That was definitely some of mine that makes sure that I'm ultra responsible at all times um, so that, that my children and that my family never feels any instability, right? So that gave me a lot of, of valuable information about some of my limiting beliefs and some of these expectations that were stealing my joy. So then step four is to take each one of those things that you came up with that you think, wait, these are false or not realistic, or I made this up, or this is illogical and it's robbing you me of joy. So take each of those and just get rid of them. Cross them off. Stop. Stop expecting of that of yourself. And then step five is that all the expectations that remain should be true and real. And so I want you to ask yourself these questions about each one of the remaining expectations. Can I live up to this? Question number one. Like, are you even able to live up to this? Is this humanly possible? Is this aligned with who I am, right? Those kinds of questions. Can I live up to this? Second is, do you want to live up to it? Like, 
Maybe you can, but do you even care? Is this even important to you or anyone that you love? Or will this even matter to, to those most important people or yourself? Then question number three is, will it matter in a year, a week, or even tomorrow if I give this up um, or stop living up to this expectation? Like that's one of the best things. Does this, does this matter in 20 years? Like, or more importantly, does this even matter tomorrow if I don't go to the store tonight, right? Um, and like, if my fridge is not full one day, does that even matter? And then number four, what action steps will I take to revise it, to make it so that I can live up to it and that I want to, and that it does matter or get some help with it? Like, how can I recruit somebody else to help me with this expectation? Because it is important and I do want to live up to it, but maybe I'm not able. So how can I get some help with that? And then lastly, if you can't revise it and you can't get help with it, are you ready to let it go? So those four questions, can I live up to this? Do I want to live up to this? Will it matter if I let go of it? And then what action steps will I take to either revise it, get help with it, or let it go? Okay. So now you have a list of a lot fewer expectations. And I'm sort of pushing you to have like 10 or so. Um, and that has become what for me is I've chosen 10 and I've made sure each one is truly important to me. And at each expectation honors my values, allows me to use my gifts and helps me move my vision for the world further. So I'll share with you the 10 that I have. Number one is have faith. That's a belief that everything is as it is supposed to be. So when I start stressing out, I remember I expect myself to have faith here. How am I going to do that? Right? Because everything is as it's supposed to be. The second, second expectation I have for myself is to be present. Is even though I have a thousand things on my to-do list. I'll give you an example that happened this morning. Right? My husband walked in the door and said, do you want to take a walk? And I, A, did not want to take a walk. I, B, had things that I wanted to get done today. And however, I said, my expectation of myself is being present. And being present with my husband is more important than balancing the bank account and doing three other things on my to-do list that I want to do before I have an appointment this afternoon. Right? And so I went on a walk. I was present. I lived up to that expectation. And I also had to go on that walk and truly be present, right? Not think about what I wasn't getting done, right? Which is a struggle for me. It's why I wrote this book. Um, so then number three on my expectation list is to learn and grow. I expect myself to be learning new things, to be growing personally and professionally, because I believe that I'm either growing or dying. And so I expect myself to do that. Number four is to love well and be loved. Allow myself to be loved and be loved and to feel the love and put the love in it. Put the love in the work that I do. 
put the love in being present with my family, making sure that my family knows that if I were gone tomorrow, they remembered that they were loved well by me. And I can expect that of myself. And I know that I can live up to that. Number five is golden rule. Slightly changed. I've changed it to do unto others as they want done unto them, right? Sometimes people don't want you to treat them as you would want to be treated, right? We're all very different people. And so we sort of, this, this expectation of myself is to sort of understand people and have some compassion and some empathy where they may be coming from or how they differ in personality and, and how they prioritize and things like that. Try to understand that about them. You know, I use, I like to, to understand their Enneagram or their love language or their disc style and all of those. If, if I can do that, then I'm, I can be much better at meeting them where they are and um, being able to do unto others as they would have done unto them. Try to treat them how they, they would wanna be treated, right? Number six is to practice empathy. And that goes along with number five is try to walk in the shoes of others. That's, that's not sympathy. I don't, I don't love sympathy. I don't want to feel sorry for you because that means I'm better than you. I'm feeling sorry for what you are and I don't want to be there. What I want to always do is when I can be critical of others or when I can be bothered that something didn't get done, it's time for me to be in something hard with other people or walk in their shoes and understand that maybe they're dealing with something that is so hard and that's why they're not living up to my expectations, right? Um, number seven, help altruistically. So if you know Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram too. My help can be overwhelming. I help people that don't want to be helped and haven't asked for my help. I will still help them. I also find that my reasoning for wanting to help people can often be from a place of my own needs. I'm helping people because I want to feel appreciated and I need to feel wanted and needed. So if I do all of this for them, they will want me around and love me and, and, um, and I will feel needed and wanted. And so what I now try to work on is, am I offering my help where it's not been asked for, number one red flag. Number two red flag is why am I helping? Am I giving or offering help or service or gifts, et cetera, because I need something in return. I need to feel wanted, loved, or appreciated. If that's the case, maybe I need to examine what I do here and not self-sacrifice or help where it's where it's not needed, right? Number eight, be humble and confident. Humble to me means I'm not better than anyone else on the planet. And I always want to remember that. I There's no one on any level. We are all children of God, loved equally, and I am no better. Um, and to practice that on a regular basis, and it's not always easy on being honest here. And, and sometimes I can get angry at why aren't they going to work 
And maybe if they went to work, they wouldn't be in this position. And, and I can find myself saying things like that. And again, then I have to, to do number six. How about practice some empathy here? Maybe they're going through something. So first of all, be humble. And second of all, confident. So I can be both, right? Because sometimes I don't want to get into a place where I'm being humble and I'm not better than anyone else. So I'm pushing myself down or I'm not holding space for myself or I'm deflating myself or making myself small. And what I want to know, what I also want to practice is I can be humbly confident, although I'm no better than anyone else. I have experienced a lot in 32 years as business owner, a wife and mother of three children, now ages 31, 28, and 10. Um, and I have this experience and I should have some confidence in it. I've prepared anytime I'm going to do anything. Um, if I'm going to give a talk or I'm going to be on a podcast or I'm, I've prepared well and I know what I'm going to say and I've practiced and so I can feel confident in that. So that's what number eight means. Um, number nine is be real and be me. So I can definitely go into that kind of chameleon role where I'm trying to fit in and I'm trying to, um, uh, this is an Enneagram two thing where I, I you know, I, I want to be in relationship with someone and I want to feel wanted. And so therefore let me sort of be interested in what they're interested in and, or, or take on some of their behaviors or values. And so I have to constantly remind myself to just be me and, and find people who belong. And if they don't like you, that's okay. And that's really hard for me to do. Um, and be real is, you know, admit my mistakes, be honest. Um, I, you know, I go deep and I get raw really quick with people and it's who I choose to be. Um, and I can expect that of myself. Number 10 is have more faith. It starts with faith and it ends with faith. And this faith is about not only is that everything is as it should be, but also that God has it figured out and I don't have to figure it out. I don't, I don't have to know. Um, so that is my 10 expectations. Um, so I invite you to do this exercise where you kind of narrow down your expectations for yourself and make them livable and make them things that bring you joy and make them be things that help you be who you want to be. Um, and not the things that don't matter in 20 years, like all your laundry's done. Okay. Um, and that you have to do everything perfectly. The last piece of this managing expectations is expectations for other people. Start to notice where you are expecting things from others because A, you think that that's how people should behave or you think that that's what you deserve or anything else. Like just start paying attention to what you expect of others. I did that whole exercise of the steps of writing what I expected of other people and going through and asking myself the questions, can they live up to this? Do they want to? Will it matter? And then lastly, on this list, what I did is, have I expressed rather than can I, what are the action steps? 
that I can do to revise it or get help. The fourth question on this expectations of others was, have I even asked them if they will provide this, if they want to live up to this expectation, right? Um, and came up with all kinds of crazy things that I expect others to be. And so, and that's, that's stealing joy, right? People will let you down when you expect things from them that they cannot provide. The other piece of information I'll give you on this is you need to remember that anything you ask anyone else to do, they need to be able to say no if you want them to be able to say yes, okay? So what I'm saying there is sometimes we're asking somebody to do something for us and our expectation is a yes. We have to get it clear in our head before we ask them. They may say no. And if I'm going to ask somebody to do something, I have to understand and be willing to deal with the fact that they have to be able to say no, and they can, and that may be disappointing, right? So there's there's one piece. Um, the other piece is, is how crazy it is that we always keep expecting things of other people when they tell us honestly that they can't through their actions, right? Even if their words are telling us different. So this piece is if some if what someone is saying with their words or telling you what they're going to do with their words and it's incongruent with the actions that they in which they behave right and it's it's not congruent they're not living up to those expectations that they've said they will um it's probably because they they wish they could live up to those expectations or they're getting you off their back and they don't think they can say no. So they keep telling you they're going to do it or they're going to be that for you. And they keep not, right? What I know to be true is that we must believe the actions and behaviors of people more than we believe the words. So if the words and the actions are incongruent, they are not matching up, believe the actions. And I sit there and listen to people all the time. There's a there's a person that that I know, um, and I know their family well. And they continue to complain about what this person doesn't do. He said he was going to show up this afternoon, and for 45 years, he's been not showing up when he says he's going to show up. And you're going to continue to be disappointed and complain when he doesn't. That's on you. <laughs> I'm afraid that's on you. Um, and those are, then that's an expectation you might want to manage for yourself and stop expecting it, right? You'll have a lot more joy when you stop expecting people to do things that they're not going to do or they don't want to do or can't do, right? Okay, so that is our episode for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you don't get to, to making the list, just start paying attention. That's my hope for you is that you just learned or you just heard a little something today that makes you start paying attention to some of the things you're seeing in your life and the way that you're interacting. And when you start looking at all these expectations of yourself and others and of experiences, you sort of say, huh, that's interesting. That should be telling me something that I'm expecting myself to have 
dinner on the table by five, or I'm expecting myself to not leave the office until every single thing on my to-do list is done, or that my e email inbox is 100% clean every day. Like, decide. Maybe you can have. Maybe you can have that expectation. Maybe you can't. But I invite you to just look at it. So thank you for tuning in. And I look forward to you giving you um, the next episode. Episode number five will be about your circle of influence and how important it is for me to choose my circle wisely and have boundaries with other people and make sure that all the people in my life are the people that fill me up and that help me be a better me and encourage and motivate me. And so that I hang out with givers, not takers, you know, that I keep dream killers out of my space as much as possible. And there's just those people that are life-giving and those people that are life-sucking and we have to choose wisely. So I'll give you some exercises and tips on doing that next week. Take good care and have an amazing week. And remember, your life is not a to-do list.